Good morning, sir. Five months into lockdown and another online preach. I'm competing today with uh, hundreds of starlings in the background as they give voice and give praise to the Lord and do what God had created them to do. So the question again this morning is, uh, where are you pitching your tent? Are you pitching your tent in the land of hope? And Costa, last week again, looked at that story. And the story is uh, that we are under pressure. The life is difficult. Life is hard. And uh, as the people of God, are we any different from what the world is dealing with and living with? And how are we responding to what, where we find ourselves today? And so the tent pegs of uh, uh, Costa's tent were the love of God, the presence of God, the word of God, and the sovereignty of God. And he really encouraged us to just dwell on that. And so again today, this morning, I'm going to open up uh, the presence of God. In uh, Matthew chapter 28, he reads right the last words of Jesus before he goes to heaven. He says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so it's with those words of encouragement that he leaves his disciples. And I suppose in the end of the day, that is what you and I need to know. That God is with us where we find ourselves today. And that is true. And suppose if we look back at the history, if we look back at the scriptures, and we look at uh, right in the Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Eden, <clears throat> in the cool of the evening, the Lord God would come and he would walk with uh, Adam and Eve, and they would chat about their days and how did the day go. And, uh, maybe Adam and Eve would say, oh, we had a, such a great day today, we, we named the animals. Wow, what a variety. What a creation we live in. Thank you, God. And so they would have had the presence of God with them. They, God would be with them in the, in, the, in the cool of the evening. And that is exciting. But unfortunately, uh, Adam and Eve fell. And they were banished from the garden. Because uh, they had eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They had done what God had told them not to do. They had been deceived by the serpent. And so they were banished from the God garden. And uh, they lost that intimate presence with the Lord. But God has always wanted a people. Right from the beginning, his plans and purposes were not going to be thwarted by the sin of Adam and Eve and by the, the Satan's uh, deception. And so we see throughout Scripture, we see that God chooses for himself a people in the Old Testament. And then we come into the New Testament and we come into uh, Matthew chapter, chapter 1. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 1. And uh, talking about the birth of Jesus. And uh, it says in verse 22, all this took place 
to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. How cool is that? The very first chapter of the gospel, of the gospel of Matthew, there is a sense in which uh, God is named, Jesus' name is, is, is Emmanuel. And the meaning of that is completely profound. This God who created the heavens and the universe dwelling with his people. Let's turn to John chapter 1, verse 14. And let's have a look and see there what, uh, what, he, what he says there. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Word became flesh, and the Word dwelt amongst us. God wasn't at a distance. He was near. He was, he was with them. And throughout the Gospels, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. And so we just see this beautiful story of uh, God Emmanuel, of God with us. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Let's just uh, open up a little bit about that, uh, this, this God being, being with us. Let's meditate a little bit on the meaning of his name, Emmanuel. What does this show? It shows that God bent down... To save man. He added the nature of his own creatures to his own divine nature. Accepting weakness. Accepting frailty. Accepting dependency on, on those creatures. It shows a great miracle it was that God could add a human nature to his own nature and still remain God. This profound mystery that Jesus is, is fully God and fully man at the same time. It says then, if Jesus Christ be God with us, let us come to God without any question or hesitancy. Let's see what Spurgeon said. Spurgeon says, it shows that we come to him. If he has come to us, then we can come to him. Then if Jesus Christ be God with us, let us come to God without question and without hesitancy. Whoever you may be, you need no priest or intercessor to introduce yourself to God. For God has introduced himself to you. And so, right at the beginning of Matthew, we see him being... Uh, introduced as Emmanuel, as good God with us. And I would really hope at the end of this, this morning, at the end of this little sharing, that you would know without a doubt that God is with you. Because when we know that, that changes everything. And so we see, 
a little bit later on in the scripture. Wow, the birds are really, the Haridas are joining in. They are so excited. In, uh, in John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, he, what's he, what's Jesus doing? He's actually preparing his disciples for his departure, for his death, for his burial, for his resurrection. And so in John chapter uh, 15, I think it is, what does he say? He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you parentless. I will not leave you comfortless. That's so. That's such a wonderful thought because now he's going and, and they're confused and uh, uh, uncertain and they, and they actually didn't even get it in that place. I mean, if you think about it, Peter confesses that Jesus Christ is, 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 the, is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then a few verses later, he's uh, trying to say, look, they'll never, they'll never crucify you. Uh, and Jesus is saying, get behind me. You don't know what spirit you are operating from. And so Jesus is not leaving you and I as orphans. Maybe you have, you are an orphan. Maybe your parents uh, gave you a way up for adoption. The scriptures say that our Heavenly Father will never leave us, will never forsake us. He has promised not to leave us as, as orphans. And that's the, the greatness of his, of his word to us today, that the word is, is true. And so it carries on in, the, in, the, in, in the John 14, 15 and 16, and it says, But the Father will send the Holy Spirit. And that's what he does. And we see uh, that he's saying to the disciples, he says, don't worry that I'm going. In actual fact, it's going to be to your advantage that I go. Because I am going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will teach you everything that I, that I have said. He will lead you into truth. He will comfort you. He will uh, help you. Whatever you need to say, you'll be able to say. And so it's this beautiful thought that he leaves the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, in fact, the, the Godhead dwells in you and I. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in, I, in you and I. It says uh, in uh, Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I think we have a look at, have a look at the world. They're all looking for some glory and you go to these huge stadium events and you, and you see the, the artist at the front and you see uh, like a hundred thousand people singing along, uh, worshipping uh, their idol, their hero. And uh, we were designed to carry glory. We were, we were created in the image of God. But it's Christ in us is the hope of the, of the glory that we have. And so I want you to be encouraged. I am with you. You know, right at the end of Matthew uh, 28, what, is, what does he say? He's giving them uh, their final words of encouragement, their final commission. And it's known as the Great Commission. And I'm just going to read it from the ESV version. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. What a task. Imagine being given that task. This small group of people, 12 plus a few others, uh, have been given this huge task to go and preach the gospel to all ends of the earth, teaching them, making disciples. What a, what a, a daunting task. And uh, Jesus says this at the end, And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. The promise of his presence is with us. The whole of every day. Not just the future, not just the horizon, but every day he promises to be with us as we live. And so his presence, what does it mean? It means privilege. Because we work with a great king. We work and partner with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are fellow workers. And He never leaves us. He's always there. What else does His presence mean? It means protection. Because we are never out of His sight or His supervision. And most importantly, his presence means power. Because as we fulfill this great command, we work in His name. His presence means peace. Because it always reminds us that the church belongs to Jesus. It is His church and His work. So how can we worry? How can we be concerned? Because God has said, and Jesus has said that he will build his church. So when Jesus says, I will be with you, you may add, I will protect you. I will direct you. I will comfort you. I will carry on the work of grace in you. And in the end, crown you with immortality and glory. All that is included in this precious promise. So, the end of Matthew 28 ends with this, a crucial element of discipleship, the presence of God with us, the presence of God in us. Let's turn to the Old Testament and just see the importance of the presence of God. In Exodus 33, Moses has come down from the mountain. The, the Israelites had uh, made this uh, golden calf. And uh, now they're about, to go into the, uh, they're about to go into the promised land. And uh, God says, I'm not going. I'm going to send an angel. 
And probably most of us would have been quite happy to go with an angel. But Moses was having none of that. He said, unless you go with us, unless we have the presence of God, we're not going. Because it's the presence of God that distinguishes us from the world. It's the presence of God that distinguishes Sarepta Church from a a do-good-works club. It's the presence of God. It's the tangible presence of God that does that. So maybe just one last story just to uh, end with. And if we turn to Daniel chapter 3, and we know the story well, there's these three uh, uh, guys, and they've got these difficult names, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, they are in captivity. They're in Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar is this powerful ruler. He's conquered the, the known world of the time. He is uh, uh, wanting to subjugate his people. And how do the rulers do that? They do it by fear. And, and he thought, okay, and another thing is they need to uh, do it by religion. So he thought they needed to worship him. And so he builds this huge golden statue, and it's uh, of of himself, and 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 he makes a decree, and there's a declaration that goes out that you have to bow the knee at this statue. You have to bow and worship King Nebuchadnezzar. And so we we know the story, and uh, these three youngsters, these three Jewish young young guys. Know the scriptures and you should bow the knee to, to no foreign idols. And so they refuse. And King Nebuchadnezzar hears about this and has them brought to himself and he directly challenges them and, and asks them the question, why are you not bowing to me? Why are you not bending the knee? And they just know that it, that that's something which they, they cannot do. And so it comes at great cost. To not bend the knee, to not bow to the idols of this world uh, can cost you your job, can cost you your life. They didn't defend themselves. It says uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he does, if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Wow, what boldness, what courage. And so King Nebuchadnezzar is really angry and he gets the furnaces uh, heated up even more Uh, More than before. Seven times more. And his face becomes distorted with rage. He commands the furnace to be heated. And they get thrown into the fire. And the fire is so hot that the soldiers that were throwing throwing, uh, them into the fire actually get burnt and die from the heat. And so they fell into the roaring flames, reading again from the New Living Translation. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar, he's watching this, jumped up in amazement 
and exclaimed to his advisers, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the, into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of God, or looks like God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, come out, come here. And so they are released. They come out and uh, suddenly there's not even a smell of, uh, of, of smoke on their, on their clothes and the, their clothes are unburnt. The only thing that was burnt in the fire were the chains that held them there. Isn't that like you and I in, in, in this time of tribulation, in this time of troubles, in this time where, where we are uncertain and, 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 and maybe in the, in the near future, you and I will be thrown into, uh, furnaces, fires of furnaces. And maybe we are in fires of furnace in, in, in which we find ourselves even today in, in the circumstances of our lives. The scripture says when you go through, through the waters, when you go through the fires, you will not be harmed. Why? Because I am with you. And it's such a beautiful thing. It's such a beautiful thought that God is with us. And uh, we can come out the fire. And, and what happened to these three? They were promoted to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. So when we conquer and when we go through the fires and when we go through the, the fiery trials and we come through the other side, we get given crowns. We get given crowns of life. Just one last scripture. Again, never trust a, a preacher when he says one last scripture. Right at the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it's talking about what happens at the end of the time. And uh, what happens to those who have died and have fallen asleep and gone and, and, and are buried. 1 Thessalonians 4. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command. With the, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise for first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. And so we will always be with the Lord. Encourage each other with these words. Encourage each other with these words, these beautiful words, that we will always be with the Lord, whether in life or in death, in, in tribulation, in, in good times, we are always with the Lord, and the Lord is always with us. Revelations 21, right at the end, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the old heaven and the old earth disappeared, and the sea was also gone, and I saw the Holy Spirit, the new Jerusalem coming from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from heaven saying, Look, God is, God's home is now among his people. 
He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. The best thing in all of life According to Spurgeon, the best of all is God with us. Let us pray. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you have promised that you would be with us. That you would be with us today. That you would be with us tomorrow. That you would be with us in the future. That you would be with us in 2021 that you will never leave us that you would never forsake us and so we thank you for your presence we thank you for your presence in us which brings us which brings us wonderful joy which brings us peace which brings us power which brings us protection and so we thank you for that and so how my challenge to us today live every day as you wake with this thought, the Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.